visiting, we've been doing a series on the Ten Commandments. And the whole purpose of the series is that we might learn how to love God and love others well. Uh, some of you have seen me limping. It's not because Theresa took a nine iron to my knee. Um, instead, it's because I, uh, uh, I was injured playing pickleball. Um, it's the fastest growing sport in America. Uh, two years running. And so um, do pray. This is my second week. I go for um, physical therapy. And so hopefully I'll be uh, back um, running and leaping um, as I always do. No, I don't. I don't. Don't want don't to lie about that. Um, I typically give uh, you all a statistic regarding the Ten Commandments every, every time I preach. And so I want to preface this by saying that um, I grew up Anglican. So, so this statistic is not sh throwing shade on the Anglicans. It's just one that I found in the London Times. The London Times uh, did uh, a survey of the Anglican, um, the Anglican pastors um, in their area, and they found that only 17% of them could recite the Ten Commandments uh, from beginning to end. 17% of them. Now, what makes this particularly unusual is because um, the Book of Common Prayer and, and their worship says that the Ten Commandments must be read every Lord's Day. Uh, so two, one of two things are true. Either, or either, however you want to say that, they're not reciting the Ten Commandments every Lord's Day, or they're falling asleep while the Ten Commandments are being read throughout that week. But that's not going to be said of us today. My, my goal is that at the end of this sermon series, every person at CVBC can say the Ten Commandments from the very first one to the last. So in light of that, let's read uh, the commandments together. Chapter 20, beginning at verse 1 down to verse 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. Let's read it together. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. For the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, 
and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Will all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord shall endure forever. And this is the word that will be taught unto you. Amen and amen. Well, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have gathered here today not to hear from a man. My words are meaningless if it is not seasoned by the power of your blessed Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Speak to the people that you want to be your people. Speak to them your words. Comfort their hearts. Give them hope for this life and for the life to come. And may we all walk out of here knowing that we have been with Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen and amen. Um, over the summer, um, I was listening to my favorite podcast. And uh, the podcast hosts uh, relate a story or an interaction that he had with his friend. Apparently, he called his friend up and asked his friend, how are you doing? And his friend said, you know, I'm okay. But to be honest, I can really use a leg injury right now. Perhaps uh, an Achilles injury or a torn hamstring. Maybe he should play pickleball. I don't know. And the podcast host got really concerned for his friend. He said to him, why do you want a leg injury? Why would you want that kind of pain and suffering? And his friend responded with these words. Because then I would have an excuse to just lay down somewhere. When I heard that, my heart broke. Because isn't it true that we live in a world where people are so tired, so burdened, so laden down, that for them, the only time that they can get any kind of rest is when they're injured or sick. There's so many in this world today, in our society, that their lives are so chaotic their calendars are so packed with work from dropping off kids to, to events, to games, to parties, to other responsibilities, that there aren't enough vacations, weekends, or rest time for them to ever feel like they've gotten any rest. And perhaps that's you in here today. You know, when I heard that, um, it resonated with me. Some of you know I've confided in you. Um, now I'm confiding in the whole church. 
I don't know how to rest. My brain never turns off. If, if I don't just fall down out of sheer exhaustion, I wouldn't go to sleep. Now, I want to be very clear. Uh, you, this church has never made me feel like that. You all have been incredible to me. My, the elders have, in many occasions, told me, Pastor, are you getting your rest? And they ensure that, that I have proper vacations. And there are many of you here serve as an accountability where you ask me, are, am I getting enough sleep? But for most of us, we don't have that. We go and we go and we go until we are exhausted, until we beg God for a leg injury, or until we get sick and God has to lay us down. But I have some good news for you today. We don't have to wait until we get a leg injury or we get COVID or we get sick or something providential happens along those lines. God has actually provided for us a day in which each and every one of us in this building can find rest. If you look at the fourth commandment, the fourth commandment is broken up into three sections. First of all, the provision of rest given in verse number eight. Then, of course, the pattern of rest given in verse nine through ten. And then finally, the purpose of Sabbath rest that's given in verse number 11. And I'd like to take and walk us through these to show you how much God desires your rest. First of all, let's look at verse number 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You know, of all of the commandments, that one brings me the greatest joy. I know some of you look at this and you see a commandment. You see something else to do, something else that God is putting on your plate. And, and can I be honest, for some of us, it takes work to get to church. Between getting up early and getting the kids dressed and wrestling with them, and, and maybe if you don't have children, you're tired from the last six days, and all you want to do is stay in your bed because of so much you've done today. It takes work to get up and to go to church. And all of a sudden, we read in God's word, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, and we say, there we go, one more thing to do. But can I tell you, this is not a commandment that seeks to burden you. As a friend of mine reminded me recently, when we read God's word, we see his heart on the page for us. We see his desire for us written out in his word. And, and the call to remember the Sabbath day is not a call for burden. It's a grace. You see, one of the reasons why God says remember the Sabbath day is because we have spiritual amnesia. We forget. We, when we read this text, all we see is burden after burden after burden. But the one thing that we don't see is the great longing for our Savior to provide us rest. Let, let, me, let me quote you two passages that, that shows this unequivocally. First of all, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. L listen to the words of your Savior and how much he desires you to have rest from your weekly burdens. 
It says, come unto me all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and burden is light. Do you hear that? Does that sound like a taskmaster? It does not. You see, God made you, and he knows that you are beast of burdens. You are. All of us are. We're beast of burdens. Doesn't matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever inside here today. The one thing I know about you is you are a beast of burden. And how do I know that to be the case? Because we are made in the image of God. And when the fall happened, God told each and every one of us that we will work twice as hard and yield half the results. And because of that, all of our labors, all of the time we spent throughout the six days, we become so burdened by the world, we become beasts of burdens. With no one around us to tell us it's okay to rest. But then our Savior says, come unto me. And I'll provide that rest. Now, let me say this. You know, when you have two friends that are far apart and they say, hey, let's go to lunch together. Uh, one of the first things they say is, where can we meet in the middle? What's a good centralized location for both of us? Well, let me say this. When Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and have heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He's not saying, meet me in the middle. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I've already provided for you a place. And it's less a call for you to come and more an invitation for you to settle down and just rest in what he has already provided for you, which is a glorious day, a wonderful day, an amazing day for each and every one of us to come. Do you understand that no one desires your rest more than Jesus? Not even yourself. Listen to this other uh, verse. In fact, it happens right after Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 through 8, Jesus is approached by the Pharisees. His, his uh, disciples are picking um, uh, wheat on the Sabbath and threshing it and eating it. And like the paparazzi, they just pop up, you know? Like sometimes I'm reading God's word, I'm like, how are they there? You know, like he's walking and all of a sudden, boom, the Pharisees are there. Right? And, and I asked, you know, as I was reading the text, I wish I had a Wayback Machine. So I can go back with some popcorn and say, oh, man, it's coming. And, you know, they go to Jesus and they said, why are your disciples breaking the Sabbath? And Jesus looked at them and said, what are you talking about? I am Lord of the Sabbath. Now, pause for a moment. Man, this is why I love scripture, right? I don't know about you. When I, when I read scripture, I'm like a kid in a candy store. See, for you to understand how powerful that statement, the Lord of the Sabbath is, you have to understand something about the Pharisee. The whole Pharisaical system was started to make sure that the Jews stayed committed to God's word. They were trying to teach fidelity to the law. And one of the things that they made sure every Jewish, Jewish person did was keep the Sabbath. In fact, they had 35 different laws only or just specifically for the Sabbath. It was their job to make sure people rest, and that's how they took their job. So that's why they went around fastidiously making sure every person kept the Sabbath. And so they popped up on the scene, and they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, 
You're causing people to break the Sabbath. And Jesus looked at them and said, wait a minute, don't you know who I am? I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of rest. I'm the king of relaxation. There's no one in the world that desires your rest more than me. And here you're stepping to me and telling me I'm actually causing people to break the Sabbath? Oh, contraire. It is because of me you could even talk about the Sabbath because I made the day. That's the kind of Savior we have. They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you're breaking it. He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I made it for you. And we see that actually in the text. We're called to remember the Sabbath day. What is the Sabbath? It means to cease from our normal work. In fact, in Hebrew, the word work means busyness. It's the busy work. It's the work that we do in the six days. God says he wants us to cease from that. And instead, he says he wants us to keep it holy. Now, what does it mean to keep the day holy? First of all, it doesn't mean that we make the day holy. No, no, God has already made it holy. We don't make anything holy. We keep it holy. In other words, simply put, here's what keep the day holy means. It means make that day look different from any of the days. Now, I can see the looks on your face. You're like, Pastor Dennis, tell us what that means. Tell us what we can do or not do on the Sabbath day. Now, look, I don't want to come up here and cause controversy. Right? But I will tell you this. Here's one thing I can tell you practically you can do to keep the Sabbath day. Find something that you do all six other days and not do it on that day. And when you don't do it on that day, then remind yourself, I'm doing this in order to keep the Sabbath. Here's one I could give you. Don't use your phones. Don't play video games and don't watch television. Unplug your life. Now, some of you looking at me like, Pastor, I'm going to see you in the parking lot afterwards. <laughs> but, but hear me out for a second. Hear me out for a second. Let me speak for me. Let me speak. I'm just going to speak for me for a moment, right? I'm, being a pastor, your life is information. You're always on the internet, you're always reading something, you're always looking at something. When you have kids, they always want to play something. They, it, my life is information. I'm always on the internet, I'm always watching something, I'm always engaging my brain on something on the internet. Do you know what would be one practical way for me to keep this up? By not doing that on a Sunday. By not looking at what the Democrats or Republicans are doing. By not watching whatever's trending on YouTube or Twitter, or Instagram, by not playing video games with my children. And I do that. There's nothing wrong with that. I do that on the other six days. I'm just not going to do it on this day. Why? Because I need to find a way to do what God has called me to do, to keep the day holy. Now, look, you might be sitting there and say, there is no way on God's green earth I'm going to unplug. Then find something else. But here's what I know. God says that we as God's people have to find a way to keep the day holy. And the question is, how are we going to do that? Remember, he's Lord of rest. 
He wants us to rest. And this is a part of his gracious provision that we find our rest in him. So that's the first thing, the provision of the Sabbath. Notice the pattern of the Sabbath. Verse number nine. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters or your male servants or your female servants or your livestock or your sojourners who is within your gates. The pattern of the Sabbath. The pattern of the Sabbath, of course, is six and one. Six and one. Do you know, um, this is uniquely Christian. There's no other religious thought, there's no other teaching anywhere that establishes a week as six and one. Now, most of us, we know how we get a day, right? The rotation of the earth on its axis. And we know how we get a week, I mean, a, a month, right? That's because of uh, the lunar uh, relationship of the, of the moon to the earth. And we know how we get a year, the rotation of the, the earth around the sun. But, but how do we get a week? Does anybody know? God. God. It is our Lord that established the week. Now, why did the Lord establish that pattern? We don't think about this, but all of us need patterns. Let me tell you, um, there is one pattern in the Lewis household that was established that changed, I think, the course of, of our marriage, of our family, and for Lewis's for generations to come. Uh, Theresa and I uh, were just married, fresh face, you know, you're excited about being together and being married. And we were in our first, uh, I think our first week or maybe two, you could correct me afterwards, hon. And, and I remember she, she cooked a meal. And the meal was delicious. I picked it up. I gave her a kiss and I said, thank you. And I went into the bedroom to write my paper. I remember it vividly because I was in I was in grad school, and I was trying to write a paper, and I sat down, and I started eating my food. And all of a sudden, I felt a figure in the doorway. Now, look, look, my wife doesn't have an imposing figure, but she has an imposing presence. <laughs> and, and she was by the doorway, and I looked over at her, and, and she wasn't upset. She wasn't angry. She wasn't foaming at the mouth. She just looked at me and she said, in this home, we eat at the table. And I said, yes, ma'am, of course. I was just, <laughs> pardon me, I was just cleaning up what I have to do here so I could go back to the table and eat. I'm sorry if, if I communicated something different. Now, now, let me say this, let me say this. If, if, if all we did was just, uh, just at the table, that would be good. But that's not the point of that illustration. I don't want you to meet the miss the point of that illustration. The point of that illustration is simply this, right? That it's not so much the pattern of eating at the table. It's what the pattern afforded us to do. You see, when we sat at that table, over the years, that's the time when we did family worship. That pattern allowed us to teach our children how to read the word of God. That pattern allowed us to teach our children the gospel. 
That pattern allowed us to laugh together, to cry together, to make plans together. That pattern allowed us to establish healthy dialogue together. And because of that pattern, Lewis's for generations to come will be sitting around the table, fellowshipping together. Glory be to God for patterns. Don't you understand, when God gives us the pattern of six in one, it's not so much the pattern, but what the pattern affords for you to do. And listen, listen to all the things we get to do on the Sabbath. Uh, so many people ask me, well, Pastor Nance, can I, can I throw a ball on the, pattern, uh, on the Sabbath? Can I go for a hike on the, pa- on the Sabbath? Can I do this on the Sabbath? Can I do that on the Sabbath? No, no, no. Listen to all the things, because we keep a six in one, we get to do. We get to do as a gift to us. First of all is worship. David in Psalm 23, we are, all of us probably know it. The Lord is my shepherd, I should not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What's the next line? He restores my what? Soul. Literally, he causes my soul to Sabbath. To rest. There's a great joy in worship. Yes, I know. We're fighting with our kids in the pew. I don't fight with my kids in the pew, but some of you do. I know it's draining sometimes to be in worship, but according to the promises of God, when we are in worship, something something happens. I don't know what it is. It's the work of the Spirit. It's like Jesus when he said, the Spirit blows and we don't know what it's doing. The same thing happens when the Sabbath, when we walk in, the Spirit is blowing and I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something just by you being here. Something is happening to your souls. And I can't put a finger on it. I can't tell you what it is, but by God, it's happening. It's happening. Worship. Another pattern that we see is the pattern of rest. Rest on the Sabbath. You know, I had a friend, his name was Tyler, country boy from Mississippi. And look, Tyler was the king of the Southern Mass. You all know what I'm talking about? I remember one time, I was walking with Tyler. We, it was after church. I was walking with Tyler. We're walking down, and Tyler, Tyler um, was looking at me, and mid-sentence, mid-sentence, Tyler looked at me and said, Brother Dennis, I love you, but I got to go take a nap. <laughs> Brother Dennis, I love you, I got to go take a nap. Tyler went straight to his dorm room and took a nap. About two hours or so later, I hear on our door. I open it up. He said, now we can continue talking, Brother Dennis. <laughs> That's southern nap. But you know, Tyler was on to something. Our bodies need rest. I mean, what other day can you take a nap in the middle of the day if you're not a baby? Sunday. Come on, you, you all have been working. You, the people in this room are hard workers. I know you. You need rest. Why don't you take a few hours to just rest? That's what it's there for. You know what else you could do in the Sabbath? Mercy. If, if you read uh, through the New Testament, right, again, you know I love to give you Bible studies. And let me say this, the reason why I give you Bible studies is this, is this. Because that's how you hear from God. You know, whenever people say they hear from God, they're not saying that a 50-foot Jesus came down and spoke to them. That's not what they're saying. 
What, they, what they're saying is as they're reading the word of God and as they're studying the word of God, something happens to them where they hear God speak to them through his word and confirm things in their life or prod them about things in their life. That's what it means. So if you look through the New Testament over and over again, you see that every time Jesus is accused of breaking the Sabbath, it's because he was performing an act of mercy. He was healing someone, providing food for someone, caring for someone. That's one thing we could do on the Sabbath. Look for someone to provide for their needs for. Here's another one, worship, uh, fellowship. Uh, incidentally, if you look at verse number eight, well, well actually, let me, let me go back for a moment about mercy, right? Notice, notice something interesting here in verse number 10. It said, it, you know, it lists daughters and servants and female servants. Then it mentions livestock. Okay, this is a hobby horse of mine, so, so permit me a minute, right? I am sick and tired of going online and seeing people from PETA and the environmentalists telling me that Christians don't care about the environment. They don't read scripture. We give our animals rest. We provide for our animals. We're told to exercise wise dominion over creation. Don't let anybody tell you that the Christian religion is anti-animals and anti-environment. That's simply not true. And, and by the way, you ought not to be as a Christian as well. You should care about the environment because God, when he created us, made us good stewards over the environment. That's why we shouldn't um, litter. That's why we should take care of animals. We should concern ourselves about deforestation and like. I'll, I'll leave it there. But next, fellowship. Notice, God says the rest isn't just for the head of the household, but the rest is for everyone. Why? So that we could have fellowship. We could have fellowship with our sons, our daughters, those that work for us. That we could fellowship with all those around us. One of the things that you can do on the Sabbath day intentionally is make sure you're fellowshipping with other believers. And, and one last thing you could do on the Sabbath is take some time for meditation. You know, one of the reasons why I don't like the news, you're low in all my business today, but one of the reasons why I don't like the news is the news don't afford us meditation. They just go from one thing to the next. One of the things that you could do with the Sabbath day is pick a passage of the Bible and just meditate on it and reflect on it and see what God is doing in it. It's good for your soul. Now, the last thing, real quick, I want to say is this. Notice the purpose of the Sabbath in verse number 11. God says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You, do you know the principle of worship? The principle of worship is embedded in the creation story as it relates to Sabbath. How do, how do we know that God wants us to worship? Look at creation day and see the last thing that God did. He created a day in which he rested. And the rest here has deeply spiritual implications. And that's why, brothers and sisters, Christ, Christ, it's so, remember, it's so important to remember this. Christ is the one that truly fulfills this mandate to rest. It was because of the work of Christ leaving his rest in heaven and coming down here and being restless in order to provide each and every one of us through his death, 
burial, and resurrection. In order for that to happen, to provide us with the ultimate rest, Christ. And that's why when we read in this passage that our Lord uh, blessed this day and blessed the Sabbath, we immediately think about what Christ has done for us. That's why for the Christian, we worship on what is known as the Lord's Day. When Christ rose again, he fulfilled the Old Testament Sabbath, and he established a new Sabbath order that's found in the fact that we no longer rest after we work, but we get the privilege of resting before we work on the first day of the week, which is the Lord's Day. And ultimately, it points to the great heavenly rest. The great heavenly rest. In Revelation 14, 13, listen to what uh, John says. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to rest. Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven, we get to have rest now. So desire that rest. Rest in the Lord. Use his day for what it is intended for and receive the blessing that comes with it. Father, we thank you that we as your people get the privilege of resting, that we no longer have to strive without stopping, but instead we get, as Augustine said, find our rest in you. Bless us now, I pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen and amen.